You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK. Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. Georgia Week. The most important game of the decade so far is occurring on Saturday when your Missouri Tigers go to Athens, Georgia to take on the number two Georgia Bulldogs. BK, how are you doing? Anxious? Mm-hmm. Like, strangely anxious? Um... Mm-hmm. We mentioned this a little bit before we started recording. It's the first time this year I have no feel for a game. None. No feel whatsoever. Most of these games this year, we've kind of been right on on how it will play. Now, the score might have been a little closer or a little more one-sided than what we were anticipating. But the style of game, we had a pretty good idea of what was going to take place week by week. I don't know what this game looks like. I don't know who the key contributors are going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a shootout. I don't know if it's going to be a slog fest. I have no real idea of what this game will be. I think Missouri will be competitive, but I also don't know how close the game will be in the end. And that makes me very anxious because normally I have a better grasp on what this kind of a week will look like. And For the first time this year, and I think the only time this year, I don't know what this game is going to look like. And that makes me very anxious, Nate. I agree. It's a a strong on strong, mediocre on mediocre. And I I mean, obviously, Georgia's team is much better than Missouri's. But from from an individual strength standpoint, they match up almost blow for blow. When you break it down from individual stats, you know, explosive plays or havoc rate or, or run efficiency, like they all kind of are right there with each other. Um, they, you know, when, you, when we ran through the outcomes, when we're talking about this game this week is, you know, Mizzou blowout, Mizzou close, Georgia close, Georgia blowout. Really, the only one that's not going to happen is Mizzou blowout because Kirby Smart teams don't get blown out at home. And it really hasn't happened since 2015 when they've lost by multiple scores at home. So, okay. Not on the table, not going to happen. That's fine. What that means is that we're all going to be in a constant state of cardiac arrest for, you know, 60 minutes while your team is either getting its booty kicked or is hanging tough and just looking for a break or two to either hang or or keep up or or, or break away. So it's it should be a good game. It just flat out will be, and those tend to be very stressful. Uh, but it's because this team is so good that it's put this, themselves in a position where going to Georgia this late in the season actually has some importance and some ramifications for the season at large. So let's set the proper expectations, right? Because first you mentioned this is not going to be a Mizzou blowout. We are on the same page in that regard. Like that's 
That is the one thing I am confident in will not happen is that I do not believe Mizzou will win this game by multiple scores. We were going through this before the show today. The last time that Georgia lost a regular season home game by multiple scores was October 3rd of 2015. There is a whole lot that has changed since October 3rd of 2015. Most notably, their coach is a different coach currently than was there at that point in time. Kirby Smart just doesn't lose these kinds of games by multiple scores. It has literally never happened. Beyond that, the last time that an AP poll, don't yell at me, folks, AP poll, not college football playoff, AP poll, number one team lost at home was in 2012. It has been more than a decade. Oh, the last time that it happened on their home field was Johnny Manziel going down to Alabama and beating them in Tuscaloosa. And then the following week, interestingly enough, it happened again with Stanford taking down the number one team. I do not recall who that was, but Stanford got the win the next week with David Shaw uh, going on the road and winning that one. So it's been more than a decade since we've seen a team pull off what Missouri is trying to accomplish. Nobody has ever pulled off what Missouri is trying to accomplish in terms of beating Kirby Smart on their field by multiple scores. So I just want to say all of that to set the proper expectations. Vegas is telling you there's like a 15% chance that Missouri wins. Uh, some of the more advanced nerdy numbers will tell you it's like closer to 20, 25 maybe percent chance of Missouri winning. However you slice it, it is remarkably unlikely that Missouri goes into Georgia and wins. But it is possible. And there have been seasons recently where that was not possible for Mizzou. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is a compelling game. It's why it got the 2.30 slot on CBS. No, it didn't get the nighttime slot. If you're a Mizzou fan, you should be happy about that. Absolutely. It means you don't have to go down to Athens at night and try to beat Georgia. You got the midday game against them. You didn't get game day where everybody's going to be excited about the facts that they're there. Like, don't take this as disrespect. Take this as a positive that Missouri doesn't have to deal with all of that other outside stuff. It's just Mizzou and Georgia, mano y mano, on the field for 60 minutes. And Nate, I, I genuinely cannot wait to watch it. It's going to be exciting. I I did my breakdown today and I did a deeper dive just because the importance of this game and the magnitude of the opponent that we are going against. Um, allow me to just read what I wrote here. The last time Georgia lost a football game, an American collegiate football game, was December 4th, 2021. That was the SEC championship game against Alabama, which they then went on to beat in the in the playoff. Okay. Last time Georgia lost a regular season game, period, was the wonky 2020 COVID year when they lost to number two, Alabama in Tuscaloosa on October 17th, and then number eight, Florida in the cocktail party at Jacksonville on November 7th. Okay. The last time Georgia lost a regular season game at home was when a four and eight South Carolina team led by Will Muschamp beat him in 2019 in double overtime. Oh my God. I remember this game. I was driving to Hilton Head, Carolina, with the wife and kid in the car. We were listening to anything other than just the, the crappy music that we couldn't get off the radio. I was listening to this the entire time as the Georgia broadcast just melted down as they could not understand what was happening. It's That was a whole pandemic in four years ago. Like that, it, this, this thing does not happen. It's been 1,000. 480 days since Georgia has lost to a division or conference opponent at home. My God. It was so long ago. Eli Drinkwitz was still the coach at App State. Harrison Mevis had been committed to Mizzou for one month. And Barry Odom was turning around the season with Kelly Bryant and currently sitting at five and one. And BK wrote a love letter to our offensive coordinator at the we time. We don't have to bring that up. That was how long ago it was. Okay. Now, like you said, these things happen. You can lose as a as a team, as a as a juggernaut team at home. It can happen. Georgia can lose at home. Mizzou can win on the road. It's just not the most likely outcome. So if we played this game 100 times, Mizzou would probably win, I don't know, 10, 15 of them, something like that. We just got to hope this one is uh, one of those 10 or 15. That's all. You mentioned uh, in your piece – the strength of Missouri coming off of a bye week with Eli Drinkwitz at the helm. 
four and zero so far in his time at Mizzou, coming off of the bye. Does that matter to you at all? No. Do you remember? Do you know why? I'm assuming that the teams that I was just getting ready to go through and look at who they had played coming off of a bye week. I'm assuming that the teams that they played weren't particularly good. South contender belt, uh, South Carolina and Kentucky during the COVID year, and then Vanderbilt the past two years. Yeah. And the average score was Mizzou 22 and a half, opponents 17 and a half. Okay. So it's not like these were resounding thumpings of, of uh, equal opponents. So that, yeah, that, that doesn't matter at all. Um, God, man, it, it is such a monumental task for Missouri to attempt to go down there and do this. But I have just enough belief in this team to think that they might like, I can't even put my finger on why or how, but I've been low on this Georgia team all year. And then over the last three weeks, they woke up. And so that's made me more skeptical of my own negativity towards Georgia. Like this week, they showed up in a big way. The explosive passing game was there. Suddenly, Carson Beck looks like a legitimate NFL prospect. Like, I don't does. know where yeah. that came from. Um, but like, I. They have so many different weapons in the passing game that can hurt you, although none of them are Luther Burden. None of them are Brock Bowers, but they're all pretty good. Um, it It's just kind of a weird team, a weird team that has a lot of good players, but they don't have the elite of the elite that they've had in recent years. <clears throat> and Nate, maybe that's why I have a belief that Missouri can win this game is because like, is Luther Burden the best player on the field when they take he's, the field on Saturday? He's the flashiest, and Theo Weiss might be the second flashiest, frankly. Is Chris Abrams Drain on that list of the best players? Like in the top he's on five? The list. Yes, he's on the list. Like you have elite level players that can be game wreckers in this type of a spot. And in previous seasons, I don't think you had that. And on in previous iterations of Mizzou football, I'm not sure that they had this to this degree since basically like the 2013 season. And so that all gives me hope and belief. And then I remember, but it's Georgia and Athens. So it, it just has me kind of doing that push and pull. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I agree with you on the defense side, right? Because what Kirby, what, what Nick Saban has done and what Kirby Smart did with Nick Saban and then has now done in Athens is he takes these four and five stars and throws them in his magical gumbo and they become kind of like this nameless, faceless guys that are cogs in a machine. And the machine does really well 
in a couple of years, you'll get like a guy who stands out. Like think about the 22 season, how many names you remember from that defense. But more often than not, you just become a piece. And that piece contributes to a machine that cannot be beat. On offense, though, you do need flash. You do need a standout player here or there to make a play. And that was the wine country warhammer, Brock Bowers, who's out. Now, do they still have an Oscar Delp? You bet they do. Do they still have a Dom Levitt? Yes, absolutely. Do they still have a raw, raw Jack? Like, they have these blue chippers, these guys who have done well elsewhere and in Georgia. You know, uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint has been there for years, and he's always been a reliable target. But, like, there's no flash. I guess Dejon Edwards would be their flashiest guy. He's a reliable running back. He's not, a, like, a big explosive guy, but, like, he's just reliable. It is, it is a line of scrimmage team. Mm-hmm. They have elite line play, and it lets them get away with not a lot of flash. And so I, I think this, you know, this Georgia defense is exactly what it should be. But it's that offense. It's that offense that you're like, you're not as impressive as you should be. You're good. You're clearly good. But there's no like, bam, explosive, impressive plays that blow you away. It's just very matter of fact. Yeah, they get the job done. That That's yeah. what they do. They, they just, they take care of every game as if it's a business trip. And listen, man, like credit where it's due. They have done the thing that we've been talking about Missouri at times in the past not being able to do. And when we saw Missouri go to Kentucky and they just took care of business. We were like, man, that's a Georgia type of win. Like they just went to Kentucky and they just did exactly what they needed to do. There was nothing flashy about it. 175 Mm -hmm. yards by Brady cook through the air, took care of business last week Mm -hmm. against South Carolina, 205 yards through the air. Cody Schrader took care of business for you. There's nothing flashy about it. You just got the job done against the opponent that was in front of you that week. To your point on what they're doing in terms of explosives, they have 23 gains this year of 30 or more yards. Missouri has 21. They have 48 gains of 20 or more yards this year. Missouri has 45. So, like, their explosives are pretty similar so far this year to Missouri. And that's not to suggest that either of those are bad things. Like, they're just – they're very similar in the way that they go about things offensively. And in previous years, that was not the case. Go ahead. So I I had to pull this up because I had to double check. Their explosive play rate is wow, 15.9%. That is currently 11th in the country. However, when there is an explosive play, it's not going for 30, 40, 50, 60. It's going for like 16, 20. So even when they go for big plays, as you define, which is like a 12-yard run or a 16-yard pass, even when they get those, it's not much more past that. Whereas Missouri, which is 15% explosive play rate, that is 25th in the country, um, their their marginal explosiveness is so like when they go further, they do go quite a bit further, like 0.1% added on top of that. So that's about you know top 40. So Mizzou has bigger explosives less frequently by like a hair of a percentage point whereas Georgia has a little bit more explosives with less yards gained per each explosion. And I think a lot of this is the running game. Like Georgia previously was a very explosive running game. And you you don't have to know anything other than the running backs that we're talking about here. Like think about the backs that they've had. DeAndre Swift, Zamir White, James Cook, Kenny McIntosh. Like those guys are all known for explosiveness. And you can go even further back if you want to. Like you can go to Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Todd Gurley. Like, the last 15 years is just explosive after explosive after explosive with their running backs. This year, they're more take care of business on the ground. And I think some of that is due to the offensive line. Like they had a lot of guys go to the NFL draft last year mm-hmm. uh, from their offensive line. And so I, I would have to assume that a lot of what's taking place is just some growing pains with their offensive line, not blowing up as many, um, massive lanes as they had in years past but this is a team that's going to get you through the air i had my reservations about them going to a guy that had such little experience carson beck's been really good so far this year man really good the thing is he doesn't really make big throws like he takes exactly what is there and then his receivers go make plays 
That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Big time throw is a um, is a stat that Pro Football Focus looks into. Yeah, he has nine on the season. Oh, good goal! Nine. They have played eight games. Yeah, that is not what you want mm. in terms of your big play throw percentage. That's about three percent for him, which is nothing. That is not what you're looking for. For context, Brady Cook has made twenty yeah. on the season, yeah. so. Um, this is not an offense where they're out there and they're just going to like, holy hell, how did they beat you by doing that? Like Michael Penix Jr. does that. Jaden Daniels does that. Shador Sanders is doing that. You go up against Caleb Williams, he's going to make those kinds of throws. That's not what they're doing there. But he is a good quarterback that will make the throws that are necessary within the scope of their offense. Yep. So that offensive line that you mentioned, Ernest Green is a redshirt freshman. Dylan Fairchild is a redshirt sophomore. Neither one were starting last year. That is their entire left side of the line. There you go. Now, Cedric Van Pran, multi-year center, starting center, Tate Ratledge, multi-year starting right guard, Xavier Trust, senior. Um, like the right side is shorn up, they're good. It's that left side that's less experienced. And then you also, we talked about this, I think, the last show. You go from Todd Munkin, who is an offensive savant, to Mike Bobo, who likes to, you know, get cute, but mostly play it safe. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is a mixture of the offensive line being relatively new, talented, but new, and then an OC who's a little bit more restrained in how he calls stuff. Um, Man, you know, Carson Beck, he's not going to burn you with his legs, but he also doesn't get touched. This offensive line is giving up like top 10 levels of pressure, like less than 1% pressure rate. So I will say this, Uh, when he gets pressured, he goes down. It's not good. It's not good. When he gets pressured, he will take the sack. But he, you're right. He just he just never gets pressured. You don't have to. We don't have to worry about it. You know, and I just. It's not an impressive offense, but it doesn't have to be. Alabama got away with this stuff for years of just being, uh, you know, gross. You know what I call it? Reductive hamburger. Just mash it and mash it and throw it when you have to and, and just get it done. And And when you have the players like Georgia has, you can do that sort of stuff. Um, I just let, let's let's put some positivity into this because I think we can. Can I stick with this real quick before whatever sure. it is that you're going? To? Yeah. So Carson Beck, when blitzed this season, oh good, five touchdowns, one interception, but his his grading in every other area is way lower. When you blitz him, you cause him to think quickly, process information very quickly, and he becomes a even less explosive, less compelling quarterback. He has made one big time throw so far this year when he is blitzed. That is in 105 dropbacks. In other words, he sees the blitz. He immediately gets the ball out as quickly as humanly possible. He's getting rid of it in roughly 2.2 seconds. That is nothing. That is as fast as any quarterback can get rid of the football. Now, there are drawbacks to that. If he has good receivers that are getting open that also see the blitz coming, that means your blitz is not getting home and he is likely just going to nickel and dime you all the way down the field. That is possible. But when you don't blitz him, he carves you apart. 10 yards per attempt when he is not blitzed this year, completing 75% of his passes, making more big time throws, taking a little bit more time to throw to make sure that he does get some of those explosives through the air. Missouri has a defensive coordinator that is completely unafraid of blitzing. And when you do so, you take him from being one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football to being merely a decent college football quarterback. You you turn him into a the most game manager of game manager quarterbacks when he is blitzed. So that, in my opinion, will and should be the game plan. What was your positivity? So when, when I talked about feeling confident about Missouri. I, you know, I said, why not now? Right. This is, this is the year. Why not now? I know I've talked about this before. I'm going to rehash it again. There's a couple of things I looked at. Number one, Missouri was returning more experience than anybody else in the conference. Now, just because you return guys doesn't mean you're better, but overall it does. The big one though was that it was one of a handful of SEC teams that returned a quarterback, an experienced quarterback, who had been with the team for multiple years. Spencer Rattler was one. Brady Cook was the other. Mm -hmm. 
Carson Beck has been flying on the planes and riding on the buses and holding up the clipboards for a couple of years, but this is his first go through of an SEC schedule as a starter. And he's clearly talented. There's, I'm not questioning that. And I know when you look at advanced stats, it's all, you know, a lot of it is, is controlled for opponent, right? So whether it's a great opponent or, or a bad one, it's controlling for that. But BK, I'm going to ask you this question. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Sure. I haven't, I haven't given you the answers. What is the best defense that Georgia has gone up against this year? I would guess the answer is either Auburn or Kentucky. Okay. I'll go, I'll go so, Auburn. I'll go Auburn. Okay. You should have gone Kentucky. That was yeah, the best. That was right there. <laughs> um, Auburn was 36th. Kentucky was 24th. Okay. Now, don't, don't look up how many points that Georgia put up on Kentucky. Don't you do it. Don't yeah. look at that. But do look at Auburn because that was an interesting one. Uh-huh. It's a 27-20 escape against an Auburn team that's not very good. Now, as far as quality of team goes, the best teams they've played, like the ones that are ranked in the top 25 of SP Plus currently, just the one, Kentucky. Now, beat the hell out of them. I understand that. Okay, so they played one top 25 team in the SP Plus. Cool. How many have they played in the top 40? Two, Kentucky and Florida. Now, again, beat the brakes off of both of them. Okay, but they've only played two. How many in the top 50? Two. How many in the top 55? Two. How many in the top 60? Three. And you know, that's just South Carolina sneaking in at number 60. Obviously, my point here is they ain't playing nobody. And I know that's the most reductive argument you can make in college football. But when you have brand new receivers, brand new starting quarterback, and an inexperienced offensive line that you're not used to, yeah, I think playing a weaker schedule might make your offense look pretty good. Build up some confidence. I talk about the ramp-up period all the time. When you have new pieces, give them some live experience before it counts. Georgia has had that in spades. So I'm sure they're confident. I'm sure they feel good. And I know they're talented, but they haven't faced a defense like this. Well, played one like it, but Kentucky this year is just not as havoc uh, inducive as as Missouri wants to be. Also, it it is important to note when they played Kentucky, they had one of the best players in the country still playing for them offensively with Brock Bowers on the field. Makes a difference, right? They had Brock Bowers against both Kentucky and Auburn. So that that is Mm -hmm. one significant difference because here's what Brock Bowers did against those two teams. Against Auburn, eight receptions, 160 yards, one touchdown. Against Kentucky, seven receptions, 135 yards, one touchdown. His longest play against Kentucky went for 50 yards. His longest play against Auburn went for 40 yards. So he's getting explosives. He's getting into the end zone. And he's moving the chains consistently as somebody that they can go to at any time Basically, if you're a Chiefs fan, the way that the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey, where they say, oh, Brock Bowers is there and just go to mm-hmm. him and he wins. And mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it because he's bigger, stronger, faster than whoever it is that you have on the field. He's a matchup nightmare. Yep. And that guy's not there now. That doesn't mean Georgia is bad. They're not. They're really, really, really good. And the guy that has replaced him has actually come in and done a pretty good job so far. But he's not mm-hmm. Brock Bowers. He's not a guy that's going to go top five in next year's NFL draft the way that Brock Bowers will. So um, that is something worth keeping in mind as we look at some of those other like big scoring numbers that you're talking about specifically against Kentucky. Brock Bowers is so much of Georgia's passing game that despite missing the past two games of the 15 guys targeted more than 10 times this year, he still, by himself, represents 20% of all the targets and 21% of all the yards. By himself. Now, I understand the Georgia passing game is equal opportunity employer. Everybody gets 10 snaps. Do with them as you see fit. So by design, you're not going to have a guy stand out. But they had a guy stand out. They had a guy who was always on the field. And now he's not there anymore. 
So you got to shut down everybody, but that, that's that's the big one that you don't have to worry about, which is nice. So you have a brand new starting quarterback who has been fed a diet of strawberries and bonbons for the past eight weeks and devoured it, feeling great, feeling happy, ready to run around the backyard without a shirt on. Like he's all amped up on Mountain Dew, let's go. And Blake Baker looks at this and he says, hello. I'd like you to, to meet my friend Darius, my friend Johnny, my friend Chris, who's all over the place, my friend Ennis, who's now healthy and is also going to be out there. And I got a couple safeties that really want to beat you in. Like, just take your head and ram it right into the ground. And I want to send him from all over the place, or I'm assuming he's going to do that. And we're going to abuse that left side of your line. And we're going to be, we're going to blame good mix of zone, good mix of man. You're going to get blitzed. We are all guys who've seen everything that you do. These guys have seen it for five, six years, every single starter out here. So what are you going to do? And I don't know how Carson Beck is going to respond. He's an elite athlete and a tremendous competitor. I'm sure he's going to respond positively, but how does Georgia put him in a position to win against an aggressive, good defense that they have not seen the likes of all season? I don't know what that answer is, and that's going to be a huge part of it. Something that I'm curious about is where they attack because when you look at where Carson Beck has attacked much of the season he's going to the middle of the field like he loves attacking the middle of the field um if you look outside the numbers three for eight and two for seven when he's passing deep just doesn't do it he's not the guy that like the the guy that immediately comes to mind for me uh, on these kinds of plays is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was a guy that was just like, I am going to take Jamar Chase down the sideline against whoever it is that you have, and you can play cover two, and I'm just going to thread the needle. And it's going to be the perfect pass, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's infuriating because it is such a low percentage pass, but he's so good at it that there's nothing you can do. It's going to be the perfect pass to the perfect receiver to play this way, and he's going to beat you. Beck doesn't do that. He's not that guy. Beck is going to take, as we talked about earlier, a lot of what the defense is giving him. So a good majority of his passes are going to be short, medium, not a whole lot deep. He's kind of like what you saw last year from Brady Cook. Now, the difference is he's a little better on those deep passes than Cook was last year, but he's not going to take them all that often. He's only completed 13 passes this year that traveled at least 20 or more yards through the air. So he's not a guy that's really throwing it deep and hurting you that way. What he does do is spam the hell out of the middle of the field, man. About three out of every four passes that he throws is going somewhere towards the middle of the field. That could be behind the line of scrimmage where he's thrown 60 attempts so far this year behind the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. It could be less than 10 yards down the field, center of the field, where he's thrown 50 passes so far. Or it could be about 10 to 20 yards, intermediate 35 attempts so far this year. Reason why I bring that up, Nate, buddy it is going to be a big game for the safeties (laughs) this is the game where they have to come through man safeties and linebackers have to be activated and if there has been a weakness for missouri's football team so far this year unfortunately it has been the safeties and the linebackers you look outside yeah you look outside at the corners i feel great about chris abrams drain and what appears to be a fully healthy and a strike straw feel really good about that You look at your defensive line, plugging up the middle. Now, they've had some times this year where it's gotten a little squirrely, but overall, I feel okay about it. You look at your safeties helping in run support. When they take proper angles, it's gone pretty well for the most part this year. You look at your linebackers in coverage. You look at your safeties in coverage. That has been the single biggest weakness that you've had. So those guys have to come through. And if they do, you can make life difficult for Carson Beck. If they don't, it will be a long day for this defense. And it sounds like Chad Bailey is going to be questionable at best. Mm-hmm. So I get a healthy dose of Chuck Hicks. Um, I actually think I, I think that's totally fine for this game. I'm okay with it. I just, you know, it goes less about Chuck Hicks' ability to smash your head in and more about how do you play the passing lines. And I don't recall how he does with that. I all. wonder if they – it's hard to do this because it's a young player that hasn't seen a ton of action. But I wonder if this is the game where they kind of activate Newsom. And they say, hey, you're going to go out there and just create some havoc, man. He's been more of the Tyron Hopper backup Mm -hmm. so far this season. 
So he's not typically a replacement for Chad Bailey. You you would expect that to be Chuck Hicks, but I do wonder if you see more of that in a game like this. Could be. Just send him out there and say, go get him. Uh, it'd be something new. It'd be something yeah. interesting. It's a wrinkle. Kind yeah. of similar to what they've done with Roche, where mm-hmm. Roche for the last few weeks has just been a, hey, if he's on the field, he's blitzing. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what it's gonna, what's going to happen, yep. and it doesn't matter. You can't do anything about it. He's getting to your quarterback. Good luck. He's such an angry little guy. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, again, it doesn't matter if you can't stop the run. Yeah. And Georgia is plenty happy to go 10, 11, 12 plays and just Dejon Edwards left, right, off the middle, just whatever. Um, but yeah, the passing game is, you know, that's where you can get abused, and that's where the big plays for Mizzou's defense come from. So it's yeah, you can see that happening. Um you want to talk Mizzou's offense real quick and Georgia's defense? Uh before we do, I got one more thing defensively. Hmm. Third down. Mm. This is a third down game, brother. Mm-hmm. Georgia's real, 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 real good on third downs. This is what they've done on third down over the last five weeks. 10 for 13, 8 for 13, 6 for 11, 11 for 16, 6 for 12. Now, if you're an optimist, you would say, Hey, that's a lot of third down conversions, BK. And I would say, you're right. It's because they run a lot of plays. (laughs) If you're a pessimist, you would say, hey, BK, it sounds like you said they're at least 50% in every single game that they've played over the last five weeks. And that, my friends, would be accurate. They are really good at staying on the field on third down. And unfortunately for Missouri, they are really good so far this year at allowing teams to stay on the field on third down. We've talked about it before, Nate. Third down success is actually a reflection of first and second down uh, success. Missouri last week, what'd they do? Or two weeks ago, I guess, with South Carolina. They really shut down South Carolina on first and second down. And then what did they do? There was a trickle-down effect. On third down, South Carolina was 3 for 13. Against Kentucky, you started to see some of that improvement. It was trending in the right direction, especially in the second quarter and beyond. They ended up 5 for 12 on third down in that game. What changed? Well, they stopped them on first and second down, and they forced them into more obvious third down situations where Blake Baker can get that blitzing activated once again. If Missouri wins on first or second down, creates a little more havoc, you can get to third down that is more manageable for your defense and not for the offense, and now suddenly it is once again Beck that is trying to beat you instead of that running game that can get three yards basically at any point in time. So... Third down, huge, but really that success is a reflection of first and second down. I mean, I got good and bad news for you. Um, well, to your point, Georgia is converting 36% of their third and longs. That's ninth in the country. They are converting 55% of their third and medium, which is 30th in the country. And they're converting 87% of their third and short, which is 28th in the country. Uh, Mizzou is top 25 in stopping third and long and bottom 10 in stopping third and medium, third and short. Um, the good news, I think, is that I don't think third down is going to matter because the bad news is that Georgia gets first down 71% of the time on first and second down. Mm. And Missouri's defense gives up first down 71% of the time on first and second down. So don't do that. Don't do don't that. think it's a key play. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, stop, turn them over, turn them over or, you know, whatever. And that's, I, I did a really reductive, defensive keys for Mizzou because I was just like, it doesn't matter guys like make explosive plays, make havoc plays and then turn them over three times. That that's your job right now. Like they're going to get yards. They're going to find a way to to probably move the ball down the field. They're going to overcome the the havoc play that you create. So turn them over and get a big havoc play to, to to stop them because it, otherwise it's really not going to matter. Ah, okay. Let's talk about Missouri's offense. That is that is the marquee. And it's really the reason that I feel like Missouri has a chance here. And it's not so much that Georgia's defense is bad. It is, in fact, quite good. It's 
what, fifth in the country. Like I, I look, I look at every single stat here. It's like top 10, top 10, top 10, top 25. Like, okay. But I'm going to ask the question again, BK. <laughs> yeah. Who's the best offense? Who's here the best go. offense that they've gone against? And who do you think that is? It's got to be South Carolina, right? Okay. You are technically correct. No, nope, sorry. Florida's is technically the best, but as far as SP plus, but the offense that's closest to Mizzou and good is South Carolina. Uh, they are the closest representation of Mizzou's explosiveness and how they like to play. And Georgia won 24, 14. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they've played ball state 129th. UAB, 83rd, Auburn, 60th, Kentucky, 40th, Vanderbilt, 71st, and then, of course, Florida last week, which is 33rd. But Florida likes to play smashy-smash, run first, second, and third, like very predictable. Graham Mertz stinks, right? They haven't seen a guy like Luther Burden, and they haven't had to cover a Luther Burden while also trying to cover a Theo Weiss and a Mookie Cooper. And I'm no... Our offensive line isn't world beaters. I don't think there's four NFL starters on this line like there were in 2013, but you got a Cody Schrader, and I'm going to go against type here. I'm just going to say I don't have an advanced stat. That dude just grinds. He just grinds and makes stuff happen. He doesn't lose yards, and he just goes. And Dude, do you know how valuable it is in a game like this to not lose yards? Dude, it's everything when you're on I, offense. The I don't think you could – I don't know what the stats are on this in terms of yardage loss so far this year, but I would have to imagine like if there is a stat for gaining positive yardage for a running back and you put the qualification of of, like the majority of your team's carries, I have to imagine that Schrader would be at or near the top of that list so far this season, because he just like is allergic to getting a negative one yard carry. He will find a way to fall forward to at least get back to the line of scrimmage. And when you have that in a game like this, it just it is one of the most valuable things that you can have because every single possession is so unbelievably valuable, which makes every play within those possessions so valuable. And he's a guy that you trust. Like if he got 25 carries in this game, I think that is ideal. And I normally wouldn't say something like that. But in this game, I think that is exactly what you want to see. It has to be. Yeah. So. It's been a while since I've looked at Cody Schrader's advanced uh, byline here. Okay, so we know 140 rushes, 807 yards, nine touchdowns. Oh, that's 5.8 yards per carry. That's one of the best in the country, just flat out on all of those. He is getting a first down 27.9% of his carries. That is also top 25 in the country. He is averaging 7.4 yards when he runs outside. He is averaging 4.6 yards when he runs inside. When there's a seven-man box, he is averaging 5.8 yards. He is averaging 2.7 yards before contact. And then when he does get hit, he's averaging an extra 3.1 after it. Again, both top, uh, top 40 in the country. This, yeah. That's that's what he does. The pride of Lutheran South, the Truman State transfer, the walk-on is doing that. Now, part of that is an offensive line that is better. Again, perfect, but better. But that dude just creates, and he does not give up, and he always gets an extra yard. Like These are all intangibles that mean nothing as far as like actual analysis of the game, but they mean something to the team. They mean something to... The outcome, because again, these are emotionally fragile 18 to 25 year old guys. Like this, this is how it is. So he is going to get yards and he needs to be fed. And it can't be predictable because against South Carolina, every run was on a first down except for one that was on a second. A part of that was he was converting a ton, but that, that's neither here nor there. It's it's gotta be predict it can't be predictable. It's gotta be there though. Um Again, I'm I'm grasping at things that make no sense to my analytical brain, but I'm like, yeah, this makes me feel comfortable. Nate, I, so I went through, and this is one of those things where, like, a lot of what you say about pulling off an upset just becomes reductive 
where you're like, hey, run the football really well, get turnovers, win the field position battle, get the third down conversion rates, score when you get into the red zone. It's like, yeah, so win a football game the way that you always have to win a football game is, is basically what you're saying. It's like, yeah, kind of. But like those are things all become so much more important in a game like this. So I was going through and as I was trying to prepare for for my piece for this week of, OK, when this happens, how does it happen? Right. When a top ranked team goes down. What took place? Like, how did they lose? Why did they lose? What was it that caused the upset? How did the other team pull off not only the unexpected, but in some ways the inexplainable, right? And against these teams, typically what you see is turnover advantage. Many times either a defensive or special teams score. So scoring in a way that you don't expect to happen. Typically, what you'll see is an early lead for the team that was not expected to win. So they go up by multiple scores early on, and then it kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the opposition, especially if they're at home where you can kind of feel it. And this is one thing that is another intangible, which we don't talk about a lot, but I think is an important factor in a game like this. Georgia fans know that this is a big game. Georgia fans know in their heart of hearts, we haven't played anybody yet. And this isn't the same team as we've had in previous years. And I think some of them are a little sensitive of that fact where they're like, you're going to put us number two in the college football playoff. We haven't lost in two years. Like, yeah, because you haven't played anybody yet. And in their heart of hearts, they know it and they recognize it, but they don't want to admit it. And so going into this game, what you'll have is a recognition early on. If Missouri is able to get up like 10, nothing where fans in the stands will be saying to themselves, Oh no, like, (laughs) We're supposed to act like we've been here before, but we haven't really been here in this spot before. So how do we respond? And then suddenly if the next drive, Georgia goes out there and they like go three and out or something, there's going to be booze coming down. Like this is the kind of thing that can swing the momentum of a game in a way where, whoa, what is going on at Georgia? Everybody's got them on upset alert. And so, These are the kinds of things that have to happen. You got to get up early. You got to score in a way that nobody is anticipating. You got to be able to get off the field on third down, convert your drives into touchdowns that are getting into the red zone. Like all of the silly things that Nate talks about week to week, that stuff all matters every week, but it really matters when you're playing against a team like Georgia. Yeah. And it's so weird because Georgia's defense is awful in the red zone. Like bottom three. Bottom 20 in the country. Nate, how, many, how many opportunities have there been? Uh, don't ask me that question. <laughs> Why would you do that? We're in the positive section. No, Eli Drinkwood says it doesn't matter because no one gets in the crosses the 40. That's fine. But yeah, their, their goal to go, awful. Their red zone touchdown conversion rate, awful. They're worse than the SEC. Yeah. Their points for scoring opportunities, fine. It's 53rd. You would expect way better than that uh, for a Georgia team. So like, you know, if you get there, you're going to get something, which is great for Mizzou. You know, they, they can go, they're good for a surprise 30 yard gain out of nowhere, get you on the 40 or the 35, something like that. But, you know, you've, this is, this is where Brady Cook's experience, Luther Burden's playmaking ability, and Cody Schrader's grind ability all need to come together. Just a nice cohesion. And again, Luther needs to have a game. Theo needs to have a game. Mookie needs to have a game. Marquise needs to show up for like two big catches. Um, you know, Nathaniel Pete needs to not get blown up in the backfield like the two times he gets the ball. Like this, these are things that you have to do. And just frankly, this offense cannot turn the ball over. You cannot have a bad read. You cannot have an errant throw. You cannot have the, you know, hits the guy in the in the hands and it pops up in the air and then Georgia comes down with it. Like you, you can't have any freak turnovers so sorry (laughs) that sucks but that's just how it is when you play these teams when missouri went down in 2013 not only was georgia undermanned and playing freshman at every skill position missouri won the turnover battle four to nothing four to nothing and georgia still almost won they were right there in the in the fourth quarter so you can't turn it over you got to capitalize on your on your scoring opportunities again not game breaking, not you know, super football brain genius talk, but like it's very simple. Win the game, don't turn the ball over. The other thing, Nate, 
Georgia doesn't they don't have to know how to play games like this that get really close where they're like kind of nip and tuck because they don't really do that very often um but they really don't really like they they don't know how to play games like this yet they haven't had they're not very good in the red zone offensively like they score when they get down there but they don't score touchdowns at a particularly high rate offensively they never go for it on fourth down like if you think missouri is conservative on fourth down ooh, buddy let me tell you about georgia who has gone for it on the season five times now when they do they get it they are incredibly efficient at converting on fourth down they just never go for it on fourth down so those are the kinds of things that Missouri, they're, they're little itty bitty tiny advantages. They're micro advantages over the course of the game, but they're the kinds of things that do add up over time. And if you win enough of those little tiny edges, you can find a way to win this game in the <clears throat> macro. But this goes back to something that we talked about with LSU. If you get to the 35 yard line and it's fourth and two, you have to steal a possession. Mm-hmm. This is now a scoring opportunity that instead of trying to get three, you need to go for seven. Now, this can change. I can change my tune on this depending on how the game is being played. If this suddenly becomes it's like the late third quarter and it's a 16-13 game, my tune may change on this a bit because then in that spot, you might say to yourself, hey, man, like points are coming at a premium in this game. It's going to be really hard to get back down here again. I can hear the case for either side in that scenario. But going into it, the over-under for Vegas is set at like 55 or something like that. They're expecting this to be a higher scoring game. So I would anticipate <clears throat> you're probably, especially early on, going to want to go for some of those fourth downs. Yeah. Yep. Missouri has not faced a defense like this. Not of its caliber. They face an offense like this against LSU. They've played teams. You know, I talked about Georgia playing three teams in the top 60, and that's just because South Carolina was right there at number 60. Missouri, you know, they've played LSU, which is 12th in SP+. They played Kansas State, which is 13th in SP+. They played Kentucky, which is 25th, and now they're playing Georgia, who is second. I'm not saying second is the same as 25th, but they've been in these battles before. You talked about that. Yep. Where you seen this? These are these guys have been around. They've been playing football for six years together. Is K State the closest comp for what this game is going to be in your mind? In my mind, yeah, yeah, because it's not the explosiveness of LSU or the defensive explosiveness too. K State is a poor man's Georgia. <clears throat> no, so they and, they played that game, and the way that they won that one was just, hey man, Brady Cook, go be great. Surprise, we're explosive. Yeah, go go be great and. They were able to do exactly that, and they did just enough in every other area. They won that game without turning the football over by getting one takeaway and by going out there and just out-explosiving, having more explosives. Let's go with that. That's fine. Uh, Having more explosives through the air specifically than what Kansas State was able to do. By the way, Mizzou was 3-for-13 on third down in that game. They sucked on third down and they were still able to find a way to, to win. Matter. They played like a B level game overall. It didn't matter because Luther Burden was all 60 yards yeah. down the field. That's what matters. And the defense didn't play all that well that day. They're fine. Couldn't get off the field on third down at times. No havoc. No havoc at all. Yeah. Yeah. But that was poor man Georgia. This is this is Georgia. This is rich man Georgia. So yeah, I mean, we've seen Eli knows when to be aggressive, or he's shown a propensity to be aggressive when it calls for it. He's also shown a propensity to forget that occasionally. But I feel like he understands the gravity of the situation. If you don't win this one, it doesn't matter what happens after this, because then all your stretch goals are gone. You know, we talked about it after LSU. Hey, it sucks, but it's okay. You can still win the East. You can still win the SEC. You might get an outside shot at the playoff, and that's still true. Losing to Georgia takes that away okay so this this is important you and you gotta you know if you want to play big balls eli this is the time to do it right you got to show everything you got to put everything out there and i'm i am assuming that he's going to understand the gravity of it and then do so so um man i was on uh 
that SEC podcast with Mike Bratton today, and he was asking for a prediction. And I, I don't like making predictions in this situation. I think I think we've been pretty clear about how we feel like how this game should go. Yeah. How we think this ta- this game could go. Is there anything you're willing to put out there, BK? Put on the ether and let the people hear it. So this is one of those games that like I do my picks on the side, and I'm the worst sports better in the history you of the are. world. Yes, you um, are. That is very well known, I hope, at this point. So if you're reading my picks, know that there's a lot of research that goes into them. I'm not just punting or anything like that. I'm genuinely believing everything that I'm putting out there. I just am terrible at it. Um, so feel free to fade them, and you probably are making yourself a lot of money by doing so so far this year. That being said, um, I wouldn't touch this line. I wouldn't want to bet this game. I If, if you're going to do anything with this game, you bet the Missouri uh, money line yeah. because you're just hoping and praying I'm going to find a way to get a really nice return on my investment. And if Missouri wins, I'm going to be so incredibly happy, but only bet as much as you're more than happy to light on fire because that's <laughs> probably what's going to happen. If I had to like place a legitimate prediction in this game, I would say Georgia wins and they do so like 34 to 23, something like that. Um, I think it ends up being a back and forth game. Missouri does enough to make you feel like if they get a break here or there, things could turn their way. And Georgia just kind of keeps them at an arm's length distance the entire game. That's kind of how I feel. I have never wanted to be more wrong ever, 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 ever. But that's my honest opinion going into this game. I think Georgia is just a little too good for Mizzou at home. If this was in if this was in Columbia night game, different story. I might feel a little differently going into it. Yep. But at, at in Athens, I do feel like this is going to be Georgia reminding everybody, yeah, we're still really, really, really good. My prediction was Mizzou's going to hang. They're going to hang. Probably scare them a little bit, but my, I think I went with 35, 21 Georgia and like, it's 21, 21 heading into the fourth and we're like, okay, we're not saying anything, but like, let's, let's, let's get something here. And then a bone crushing turnover or, you know, a surprise three and out. And then they just whip it downfield and like Dom love it of all people scores like on a 60 yard bomb and you go, Oh, and then there's an immediate turnover and then they score again. Like, it's one of those where it becomes a two possession game, but like in reality, it was neck and neck, like for, you know, 45, 50 minutes. That's, that's how I feel like this game will go much like you. Yeah. I'm grasping at this impossible yeah. thing. Like it can happen. I, I, we listed off all the stats, why it can't happen. And I'm still sitting here going, yeah, no, no, like it can, like it still happen. And, uh, I don't know why, but that I, if I had to if I had to say something, I'd say 35-21 bad guys. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens on Saturday. Final question mm-hmm. for you, Nate. Yes. Hypothetical time. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, my buddy Gabe Diarman asked this question earlier this week. I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay. He said, "Would you rather see Missouri wins this game at Georgia, but finishes the year nine and three? So they lose two of the next three games. Or they lose this game and finish 10 and 2. So you beat Georgia, but fumble it away by probably losing the next two games against Tennessee and Florida. Or you lose to Georgia and win out. Which you one mean do you 10 prefer? and 2. 10 and 2 every day. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't matter how you get there. I know sports are built on moments. And boy, this would be a moment. That's that. That's the thing, man. Like, you are. Think about the Johnny Manziel legend, and what it was built upon. Mm-hmm. The truth is, it was built on a game in Tuscaloosa. He ended up. I like. He was a great player. Won the Heisman Trophy. Was deserving of all of it. But his legacy is tied to that game. The fact that he was able to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. And like because of him and a couple other quarterbacks, including Chad Kelly, Alabama changed the way that they changed played offense. Offense. Nick so, Saban did that. 
if Mizzou goes into Georgia and beats Georgia, it will be a game that you remember for the rest of your life. You will never forget this game, ever. If they lose the next two weeks, so be it. You will always have this moment. And the difference between 9-3 and three and 10-2, and two, in my mind at least, Nate, I don't know if it's big enough to overcome the fact that you don't get this moment. Because if you end up beating Tennessee and you beat Florida, like, you probably were supposed to do that, man. Like, you were supposed to beat Arkansas down the stretch. You were supposed to win the next three games. If you don't, like, you fumbled the bag, don't get me wrong, and we're going to react to that and we're going to be frustrated as hell. But you'll always have this game. So, I think I would take 10-2. and I'm with you. But the more I think about it, the more I say to myself, Man, life's too short to not take this kind of a moment. <laughs> it's just too short because this would you know? be one of the best memories that we've had as Mizzou football fans in our entire existence of being Mizzou football fans. Also, what it does, it tells you in the future, if Drink gets to an SEC championship game and he's got a team that can hang, he can win. Like He can do the thing that was always... A little out of the stretch for Gary Pinkle. So that is that is one other piece to this that it tells you they can really punch up in a meaningful way. Now, what's Kevin Sumlin doing right now? I don't want to talk about that. Okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, you know. He did it because of Johnny Manziel, though. He did. And Cliff Kingsbury. I, I'm... Listen, I love Brady Cook. You know, I've I have been one of his strongest supporters for more than a calendar year now. If Missouri goes out there and does this on Saturday, like, yes, Brady Cook will absolutely be a big part of it. Luther Burden will absolutely be a big part of it, but it will be more than just that. I think Drink at this point, we can say has done a pretty good job of building this program. I'd certainly think so. Yes. Kevin Sumlin never did that. He didn't. I like the guy, but mm, no. Um, yeah. Where are you? Are you, are you I, I'm very nervous. I, I, where are you watching the game? Where are you watching? I'll be at home. I'll be yeah. at home. I'm not, this is not one of those that I can do in public. I have to be on my couch with the ability to rewind and fast forward as needed. Um, go back and yell at my screen. <laughs> yeah. Scare my four month old son as I'm telling Boy. him about what Missouri did and didn't do that they should have or shouldn't have done. So, yeah, I'll be at home. As, as will I. I'll have the five-year-old asking, why didn't they score yet? And I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know. They should, shouldn't they? Yeah, they should call the touchdown play. Do, do it. That, do that often, early and often. Push X to win. Come on, man. Like, yeah. What does Missouri have to be up by for you to be like, I think they're going to win? 38. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Anything less, I'm just going to go, oh, my God, no. Yep. No, no, I'm totally with you. I, the reason why I ask is because, like, I, I don't know that I'll be comfortable until after the clock strikes down to zero. And even yeah. then, I'm like, not totally sure I'll be comfortable. The NCAA going to find a way to not make this one count somehow? <laughs> like, <laughs> Bill Self just, just did something bad again. We better eliminate Missouri's win over Georgia. I don't hey, know. Hey, Michigan, just... they, they, they've got this sign-stealing scandal. I, I think we should – the other block scallions, in, the other block scallions. In. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Connor scallions right there on the sideline. I see him. Like every white dude in football. God. Okay. End of show. We're not going to talk about it anymore. We're all very excited. We're all very nervous. We're going to find out what happens at two 30 on Saturday. <sighs> Tums. It's Tums game. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna be it. We're all we're all happy here. I, we don't even need final thoughts. We final thoughted it up. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. We leave a comment for rate us. We love all types of feedback from you guys. You can follow us on Twitter, Matt and AG Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M I Z Z O U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Beep. 
and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks.